like that. We are starting and ending our uh, study in Colossians. We won't get to everything tonight. Uh, there's a lot to cover, so this is going to be a two-part uh, position of Colossians. I hope that you've taken the time to read Colossians. Um, it's a wonderful book, and so it's it's got a lot of good things in store for those who want to who want to take part in it. I, I particularly am enjoying this. I don't know if you're enjoying it as much as I am, but I am enjoying it. Go ahead, Lamarck. He's, he's looking for the remote. It's right there. Uh, because it uh, it does something that people don't often do and not being funny, but seriously, which is just study the word of God. Nothing else but the unadulterated uh, word of God. And so that's what we're going to do. And we're starting at Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 18. And I want you to know one thing. In order to study this properly, you have to do something uh, that many people uh, don't want to do. Anybody know what that is? I'm pretty sure you don't. In order to study this section, you've got to die. Now, I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> but in order to study this section, you've got to die to yourself. Because what Paul is teaching in this section goes contrary to what humans like to do. It goes contrary to what we like, and it's going to be some things that when they're said, in each segment that it goes to, it's going to raise up in your natural flesh. Why? Because it goes against the grain. And oftentimes what God requires goes different from what we, we would require or what we would put. So we're going to read, and we're going to start at, uh, we're just going to go down to Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. If we could read those together in concert uh, and those welcome those who are on Facebook Live or YouTube or on the website uh, at Encounter360.org or if you're listening later by podcast at Speak Life Today. Um, we're welcoming you. Glad that you're here, but we're going to read these in concert. Uh, let's read. Ready? Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, each one of those, no matter what segment you're in, might make you a little defensive because the flesh wants to raise up because most of those statements are countercultural to what we have in our culture today especially when we stop at that first one, Paul has been talking about Gnosticism and all these other things and false doctrines and teachings that have found their way in the church. And Paul has been dealing with those and he's been letting them know that Christ is supreme and that you shouldn't allow anybody to put burdens on you that Christ himself is not putting on you. Uh, Christ is the, the end of the law. That doesn't mean the law is not right. That doesn't mean the law is not good, but we're not saved by what we can keep. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so these are some good questions. And the reason I brought up the first topic is I wrote this down. In order to do these things, we must first die to self because our flesh will resist and no living thing easily and comfortably sits in the electric chair. Nobody does what is contrary to their nature or their what they like to do. Nobody purposely eats the food that they don't like to eat. Everybody likes to pretty much do what they want, want to do. So I'm going to start with the first part. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Now, there's a question there, and it says, why should wives submit to their husbands? 
Do I have any wives that would like to answer that question or future wives or former wives that would like to answer that question? Why is it important that wives should submit uh, to their husband? That's a, that's a wonderful thing. It's simply, it's because God what wants us to do that. It's what God wants us to do. God is establishing order. And if God is establishing order, he's done it for a purpose and it's right and good. And if it's done in the way God intended, it's not meant to be harmful to us, right? So we can flip the word submission on its head and look at it as that submission isn't necessarily what we always think it is. And it's not a degrading thing. Submission in the, in the Greek is a military term. Uh, in the military, if you use the Greek form of the word, it would mean that I am willfully stepping behind you. It doesn't mean my ability isn't great. It doesn't mean that. But what it does say is that for the protection of the whole group, I am going to willfully submit myself into an order so that the whole unit can what? Progress. That if there are two people trying to lead, you're not going to get where? Anywhere. So what it does, God sets an order. And, and so what Paul is telling the church at Colossae and at other churches like Laodicea, because we'll see next week that these letters are passed around to different places. He's saying that you should submit. And I'm glad it came from a lady. The simple one reason is because God said so. That should be enough. But at the same time, it's also for our, our, the protection and the order of the family and the structure that God has set up. I know it goes countercultural to what we have today. I know that some people may be watching and they may be cringing at that, but the Bible is right and we are what? Wrong. <laughs> we have to do what the Bible says. So Paul says that it's fitting to the Lord. In other words, that your submission is a, an act of what? Worship. That when, when we often see the word marriage, we see Christ in the what? Church. So marriage is often a symbol of Christ and his church. And we see the Trinity. We see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit, right? We see all three of them that are co-equal and co-eternal in nature. All three are God, all three are equal, but at the same time, one submits to the what? Other. The Son submits to the Father, and Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he doesn't speak of, of himself, but he speaks what? What he's been given. He helps us. He's, he's interceding for us that there is an order that God has set there. And could it be that the reason chaos ensues in our world is because we buck the order that God has created? Because we think we know better than what? God. Is there anybody that's willing to admit here or even in the chat room that at some point in your life, you thought you knew better than God? You knew what the Bible said, but it wasn't what you wanted to do? You might say no, but if you check your actions against the Bible, the answer would be what? Yes. Because you have done some things that the Bible said not to do, and you knew what? Not to do them, but you still what? Did them anyway. So when submission is used right, it is used as a blessing and not a curse. It's not used for domination. It's used for order, and it's used for love, and it's used, you can't submit to somebody willfully. It takes a willful partner. You can't have somebody submit unless they lovingly and willingly do it. And so that we're going to go to the other part of the spectrum in just a second. Submission is a beautiful thing. Everybody says submission is beautiful. Submission is beautiful. Submission is not subjection. It is a willful thought that I'm going to put myself underneath the covering and leadership of another. And it doesn't just go for the female because in a Christian home, the man is himself what? Submitted to what? Christ. 
So you're, if you if I'm submitted to Brother Dave and Brother Dave is is submitted to Brother Denny, who we're really submitted to is the person at the front of the line. Because as Brother Denny gives the orders and then Dave gives the orders down the line, I'm following Dave, but I'm really following who? Denny. So if a brother and the Lord is really following God and he's following God and doing what God has called him to do, the young lady that's follow has chosen to follow him is not necessarily really following him, is she? She's following who? Christ, as is fitting in the Lord. Now let's go to verse 19 because there's two flips of the coin. It says, um, I'm, before I go there, I want to stop because there's another question. It says, what do you understand by the word submit? Be, let's be honest. What do you hear? And some people, I'll read it later. Tell me what you hear when you hear the word submit in the chat room. Anybody want to answer that? Obey. Okay, that's that's one o o obedient. Um, that used to be in our marriage vows, didn't it? To love, honor, and what? But people took it out because it didn't sound as palatable. Uh, but yeah, obey could be used a word that could be used. O o obedience and submission. That's that's one word. Uh, I like the this word. Everybody say serve. Um, if you looked at the easy to read version, the easy to read version says, wives, submit yourself to your husband as in fitting to the Lord. And I wrote this note, serve, to place your will under the authority of another, to knowingly and purposely die to self. The only way to come to Christ is to die to your what? Yourself. So if you die to yourself and Christ is your head and you pick a loving Christian leader, well, then that's died to himself, then everything should work what? In harmony. It's just like the piston of an engine. One goes down while the other one goes what? Up. If they both go up, you throw a rod and now you don't have an engine, but everything works in a what? It works in sync, in synchronization. And that's what, what that's designed to do, that my gifts are not your gifts. So and my strengths are not your strengths. So we work together as God has partnered us with a, a, a loving leader at the head to move the body forward. Now, what instruction does Paul give to the husband? Can anybody tell me what we just read? What did Paul tell the husbands to do? He says to love your wife. But then he says something else. He says, don't be what? Don't be harsh with them. In other words, men by nature, real men at least, are what? Aggressive. We're aggressive in nature. We like football. We like football games. We like television shows that have a lot of violence. We're, we're kind of predisposed to that, aren't we, fellas? And, and so we can have an aggressive nature, but what we have to realize is that when we come home, we have to take off that aggressive nature. We can be masculine, we can be men, but we need to be softer with our wives, gentler with our wives. I can give a perfect example. I have three girls. When all the roughness seemed to, those rough edges seem to smooth out a little bit when you have girls and you learn when you need to be rough and, and when you need to be soft, it's part, not soft, soft, but at the same time, when you need to be a little less aggressive, we don't want you soft, soft, gentle, but there you go, brother Bob. Uh, that, that's a good word. Uh, and I want us to know that, that you have to love them and loving is an action. There is another scripture in the new Testament that says husbands love your wives as Christ. What love the church. Christ died for the church. He gave his life for the church. So we see that word that you're still dying what? To self. The reason there are struggles in, in a lot of our relationships is because nobody wants to die to what? Self. 
is the relationships and partnerships aren't about, about service to one another, but they're what the other person can what do for me, how you can make me feel. And if you don't make me feel a certain way, well, then I'm not going to do this for you. If you don't take the trash out for me, I'm not going to do this for you. If you don't do this for me, I'm not going to take the trash out for you. And it becomes in the Greek, what you call a quid pro quo, a this for that. And that is not the love God called us to. God called us to what? Agape, which is what? Unconditional love, which means that I respond based on what the love of Christ has told me to do, irregardless of how I feel about it, irregardless of my opinion about it. I do it because it's the command of God and my emotions are not what? Involved. Everybody see that in the text? It says, love them and to be gentle and to die to self. What are some ways, guys, that we may be able to die to ourselves? Can anybody tell me? That's a good example. Mark. Oh, don't say that, Brother David. Don't say that. Don't say that. We're going to start with Mark's example. Mark said to give up some of the stuff you like to do and those things. Yes, give up some of the things that you desire and spend some time doing something for your spouse. And that works both ways. You might not care about football, but if your husband cares about football, maybe you could sacrifice and spend a little time. And yes, Brother Dave, I can't believe he said that. Brother Dave just said, spend some time watching Hallmark movies. And every now and then I'll surprise my wife and I'll peep my head in the door and I'll keep quiet as much as I can. And, and, uh, and I'll try to try to do that. That's important that we give up some of the things that we don't want to do for the sake of the union. We stop being selfish and become selfless. In other words, we think less of ourselves and less of our needs. And isn't that the crux of Christianity? That the Bible tells us to esteem one another higher, other people higher than I what? Selves. Christianity is not narcissistic. It is not a self-serving religion or, or, or a faith. The Bible says that the Son of Man didn't come to what? Serve, be served, but he came to what? Serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So instead of saying what I'm getting out of it, the Christian response should be, what can I put what into it? And you're going to see that theme all the way down through here. Um, so we see that it's called for husbands to love their wives, which means, yes, Brother Dave, listen to some Hallmark every now and then. What did you say? Yeah. yeah, at least it is. And that's, that's true. At least it's a decent movie and it doesn't have a lot of filth in it, even though it has the same plot every single time. But at the same time, I'm being petty. But at the same time, it's important for us to be able to do those things and to, to give up because what happens when somebody does something nice for you? You tend to want to what? Do something nice for them. If somebody does something selfish to you, does it make you selfish or does it make selfless or does it make you selfish? If somebody does something that's selfish towards you, does that make you more likely to want to do something nice for them or less likely? Less, it makes you less likely. You need to pay kindness for it. The other day I was in the drive-thru. I was, uh, I dropped my daughter off. I was in the drive-thru. I was completely unaware. I walked up, I drove up rather, uh, please don't walk through the drive-thru. I drove up and as I was getting ready to pay for my food, the lady said, no, sir, the, the person in front of you has already paid for your food. So it created a chain reaction. So what I did by response is I said, how much is the person behind me? 
And they told me, and I said, here you go. Have a nice day. And you never know what people are going through. I kind of drove off slowly so I could watch the reaction of that person. That lady turned red in the face and started crying. You just don't know what kindness and selflessness would do. And she started flashing her lights and honking her lights. But guess what? That's the same thing I did to the person that was in front of me because they showed me what? Kindness. A lot of times you need to do the opposite of what you feel, and especially in marital relationships, when you feel like saying something you shouldn't say, do the opposite of what you feel and you'll get the response you want. But what the flesh does, it tricks us. It makes us give the what? Wrong response. When we're angry, we tend to act out. And when we lash out, what do we get? A lash back. What if we did the opposite of what we felt when we were angry and begin to be kind to that person and override our flesh and our normal nature and begin to learn that there's another system to the world that God has? And if you work with kingdom principles, it works a little bit what? Smoother. A lot of the problems that we have in not just marriage, but in relationships is selfishness. It's because we want things what? Our way. And it won't ever work. Somebody has to defer to the other person. Now let's go on to the next thing. It says, the children to obey your parents. Now I know every parent can de determine and tell you why your children should obey your parents. And we got kids downstairs, so they won't be able to hear this. But in case some are listening on the live feed, why is it? Because God works with what? Honor. Everybody say honor. You will never go higher than your ability to honor people. When you learn how to honor, blessings come with what? Honor. When you honor people, when you honor your boss, even when you don't agree with your boss, blessings will come. When you dishonor your boss, even though you and you don't agree with them, you might get a couple of coworkers that will help you, but your coworkers aren't in charge of your raise, are they? Or your employment. So it might do good sometimes, even when you disagree, to what? Bite your tongue and find a nice way to air your grievances. Why? This is practical teaching tonight. This is nothing to jump up and shout about. But a lot of times at work, we've caused our own what? Problems. Because it's easy to get in with the negative crowd when somebody's not doing what you want them to do. And you say, I just can't stand the manager. And then somebody else comes up. I can't stand them either. Now y'all spend 30 minutes of time where you could have been productive, and especially if you say you're a Christian, we're going to see that in a second, where you could have been productive, you wasted this time and wasted company time being negative and nasty towards somebody. It will not solve any problem. You have essentially been spinning your wheels for 30 minutes. It makes you feel better, but it doesn't accomplish what? Anything. So let's keep on going because we're about to get, that, uh, get to that uh, in a second. And I know you thought my question uh, was was really, really odd about dying to self. But what you hear in verse 5 of Colossians, remember that Colossians 3 and 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So those earthly things we need to put what? To death. We need to put to death all those things and start to put to death some of our preferences. And it's not easy. Nobody, If somebody told you that the Christian walk was easy, I don't know what Christian walk they're having because Christian walk means self-denial a lot of times. It means holding your tongue when you want to let it go. It means holding your temper when you want to let it go. It means acting the opposite of what you feel. It is a lot of self-denial because if any man would come after me, Jesus said he must first what? Deny him what? Self. 
pick up his cross and follow me daily. I've come to let you know that if you are not denying yourself, what cross are you picking up? Are you really following Christ if you're not denying yourself? Now, I'm not talking about asceticism and just doing mean things to yourself to give glory to God. That, that's false teaching. But what I'm talking about is giving up your personal preferences for the good of some people sometimes. That does not mean that you don't have self-care. That doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself. That does not mean to allow people to abuse you. But there are some times when we can stand not to win the argument. Can we agree with that? There are some times we, we can stand just to walk away. We might not stand to do it, but we can stand to do it. And if we do that, the fruits will be shown because that kindness that you show will show people your character and your character may help draw other people to what? Christ. The biggest thing that will help draw people to Christ is your character. They're watching what we do more than what we say. And yes, I know we're not perfect. I know we all mess up. I know we have faults. But when you fall, get up, mess up, fess up, and keep moving forward. The Bible says that a righteous man falls what? Seven times. That seven time is a, a, that number seven is for completion. It means a righteous man may be constantly falling, but what he doesn't do is stay there. He gets what? Back up and he keeps moving. Amen? Y'all with me? Now, um, let's look at verse 22. We're going to start right there. Um, and we'll see what it says. What slaves or bond servants obey in everything. Those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. That's a little different from what you, your guys reads. I mean, we're going to read it together. Let's read verse 22. What does it say? Slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. In other words, don't just not be on your phone because the boss is around and when he leaves you back on your phone. Because we don't have slaves today. We have sex trafficking and slaves that are horrible things. It's never, never right to subject people to slavery. But slavery was a part of the Roman culture. Roman people conquered people and they had slaves. What we could equate this to today is employees, the employer and the employee relationship. So I'm going to give it to you in the easy to read version, the ERV, just or, uh, for somebody that may need to see it, if I can get that pulled up. Because I want you to see how plainly it says, servants, obey your masters and everything. Obey all the time. Somebody say all the time. Not just when you think you know more than your boss. Anybody ever been guilty of that? To think you know more than your boss and they tell you to do something and you still don't do it. But the Bible says all authority that's been placed there is ordained what? Of God. God honors order and God honors authority. So when you don't obey authority, who are you dishonoring? Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Y'all see that in the text? You see I'm not making that up? That, that's an amazing thing. It says, servants, obey your masters in everything. Obey all the time when they can't see you. One definition of integrity is being able to do the right thing when there's nobody around to see you. It takes a long time to build up integrity. It takes a second to ruin it. And then it has to be built back up again. But it can be built back up again. But ask yourself a question. Are you doing the right things at work when nobody's around to see you? Are you on your phone when you should be working and you telling people where you go to church? 
If you are, please don't tell them when you go to church. <laughs> are you nasty to the boss? Or did you pick a customer service job and you just don't like people and you nasty to the customers? You're not just dishonoring your job, you're dishonoring who? Wow. Y'all see that? You see I'm not making it up, right? It says, when their eyes on you uh, to earn their favor, but with what? Sincerity of heart and reverence for the what? Lord. So your job is worship. Worship is not just when you come into the church and you raise your hands. Worship is not just when the music sounds nice and we got a few surprises maybe potentially in faith coming towards you guys. Not, worship is not just when the praise team has emotion. Worship is not like what we had Sunday. Sunday was beautiful. We, when the cameras came off, the Lord blessed, blessed the house. And that was a beautiful worship experience. That was a beautiful prayer experience. But that is not the totality of worship. The biggest part of worship is done outside of the, the four walls. You cannot worship God within one to one and a half hours and you get 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God is bigger than that. Worship comes toward the totality of the outside, how you act, how you treat your husband and how you treat your wife is worship. If you're yelling at your husband online, guess what? That's God's son. So you are dishonoring God's what? Child. If they know the Lord, if you're yelling at your wife, you are dishonoring God's who? Child. If you're dishonoring people that you don't even know, they may be a child of the king. And the Bible says, before you offend the least of mine, Jesus says, you should put a millstone on your neck and cast yourself in the sea that the lifestyle we live or what? Worship. And guess what people are always doing? They're watching us. They're not saying anything, but they're watching. They, they, they look in the sea. When we start talking and bringing up juicy gossip, are you going to walk the other way? Or are you going to stand in? They're not going to stop doing what they're doing. The world's going to not stop doing what they're doing. And we don't expect them to. We expect the world to be the world, but they're watching to see. They, in their mind, they know what they're doing, but they say you profess to be something different. So they're watching to see if you're going, if you're going to partake in that. Chrissy, they know you say you go to church. So when they start acting a certain way, they're watching to see if any changes in your life and whether or not they come to Christ may be directly correlated to whether they say, well, she doesn't have anything. Now that's ultimately their own choice, but if they don't see the, the change in your life, who does that dishonor you or God? Interesting question, right? Mm -hmm. For you guys online, I'm hoping that this is helping you. If somebody's watching, I, I can't see that right now, but if somebody's watching, Drop a heart in there if this is touching home to you and if this is really helping you. Is this helping you guys? Yeah. I, I like this. This is a more intimate form. I don't see this much out, but this is where we really grow and growth comes through teaching. So through obedience and selflessness. And so we're going to verse 22. It says, obey them in everything. And then it says, no, you must serve your masters honestly because you respect the Lord. Wow. If you can't do it because you don't like your boss, do it because you love the Lord. If you can't honor your husband because that's what you're supposed to do, do it because you love the Lord. If you can't treat your wife nice because you're, you're mad at your wife, do it because you love and reverence the Lord and you know that's what he wants. Let the Lord be the object of your affection. And in that, your actions will come. I put employees should work hard and have a t integrity. We shouldn't appear to work just to gain the favor of the employer. And this is something 
what is the basis of obedience? Somebody tell me why we're being obedient. I've already given you the answer. What's the basis of our obedience? Why are we doing this? Why are we treating our bosses good when we disagree and treating our spouses good? I see the arms folded. We got some guilty people in here today. It is not that cold. Why would... <laughs> In doing so, we what? We honor the Lord. That's it. It's, it's just that simple. In doing so, we give God honor. And I put this. I said, the Lord, not people, is the ultimate object of our obedience. He is your real master, and he will give you the reward. Who are you really working for? Who are you really, who, who are you really honoring? You're honoring who? Christ. Now, we're going to keep going because this disrespectful clock keeps going. <laughs> and we're going to read verse uh, 23. Let's go down to verse 23. Let's read that together. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Let's go to verse 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So just because that job signs your paychecks, that's not really your employer, is it? Because who provided a way for that job to even be available for you? God did. And so how would you like it if somebody said, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to use my name to get you a job. And they trust me and my name is worth a lot. And you pull some strings to get them a job. And then you come and find out they were drinking on the job. <laughs> they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff on the job. They were always late. The, the they were milking the clock, doing all sorts of things. Brother Bob said he said they like experience. He, he, he may have milked a couple clocks in his day. But at the end of the day, when we were doing those things, he said, not him. Brother Bob's a hard worker. I'm pretty sure he doesn't milk the clock because he works consistently. But at the same time, how would that make you feel when the person came to you and said, man, you gave me your reference, and this is how they're doing. Yeah. So here's a prime example. You saved and you're Christian. You pull out your phone, and you start reading your Bible on the job. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? A bad thing. You're on the job. Some people would say that's a good thing, but that's a bad thing because they're paying you what? To work. Now, when it's lunchtime, if you want to read your Bible, read your Bible, but you become a poor witness because they say how much you love God, you're still in time. And a Christian's word is that what? Bond. If I if you told those people you will work for $8 an hour, I don't think anybody works for $8 an hour, 15 or whatever they pay hourly now, you told them you will work for $15 an hour and you started working for $15 an hour and now all of a sudden you want to half do your job because if the people across the street getting $17 an hour and you say they're not paying me enough so I'm not going to do no work. I, they, they want me to work, they need to pay me. But who told you to work there? You decided to what? Work there for that amount of money. And if you're going to honor God, you need to give an honest day's work for an honest day's what? Fair? Simple, huh? I can't wait to see the comments at the, at the end of the section if anybody is picking this up. But we need to do an honest day's what? Work for honest day's pay because it's not about us. We're giving glory to God. And as Christians, we need to get out of our mind that worship is just within the four walls of the church. 
Worship is a lifestyle. And your lifestyle gives glory to what? God. 24-7. That's kind of scary because sometimes we falter and we mess up. But when you fall, you what? You get up and you keep going. If you want to honor, when my mother was in the latter stages of her life, I could never repay my mother for all the stuff she did for me, but I spent as much time as I could trying to help take care of her. Why? Because I said, I want to do for you when you can't do for yourself anymore. Why? Because you did for me when I couldn't do for myself. And by serving you, this is the way I say that I would love you. It's the best way I could do it. I can never repay you back. There's no way I can pay you back. Lamar smiling. But my plan is to show you that I understand. <laughs> you are appreciated. Somebody else, will get, somebody else will get that later. That I want to make sure that my actions are given love. So when we do it, when we're out about and treating people and talking to people how we treat people, we need to know that our actions are what? Worship. Is this helping anybody tonight? Yeah. It's a different way to look at it, isn't it? Verse 23, are we at? Verse 23. I don't know about you, but this is good to me. Uh, verse 24, we were at. Let's go to verse 25. It says, if anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be paid, repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. God's no respecter of persons. If you don't do what you need to do with that employer, you might have to suffer the consequences. Sometimes in life, God doesn't always protect us from consequences, does he? Sometimes he lets us, if we keep wanting to stick our hand in the electric socket, he knows it's not going to kill us, but he may let us do it because once we jar ourselves after a while, he'll, he'll try to unction and put people on our path for so long. Don't do that. You ought not do that. He has, he has a part of himself, uh, a, a, a person called the Holy Spirit that says, you ought not do that. You better not do that. But after a while, if, when we stop listening to that voice, it gets dimmer and dimmer in our mind. And guess what? All of a sudden, we find ourselves in a pickle, and we what, what's the first thing we do? Lord, I need to hear from you. I've been talking to you the whole time. You didn't want to hear me. I was telling you you didn't need to do that. Lord, I'm unemployed. I was trying to tell you. Lord, I'm on the way to divorce court. I was trying to tell you. Lord, I got a black eye. I was trying to tell you you should have just kept your mouth shut, got in the car, and kept going. No, you wanted to stop the car and give them a piece of your mind. You didn't know they were a black belt. I was trying to tell you that may not be a good idea. But then we have to pay the what? Price and the consequences. Mm -hmm. God forgives us and there's grace, but sometimes we have to deal with the consequences. But thank God, even when we deal with the consequences, he's a loving father and he will pick us up and nurse us back to health and he will restore us. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Amen. That oftentimes, even when we get what we deserve, he's still right there to pick us up and dust us off. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I have a loving father. Amen. Now, it doesn't just fall on the employer, uh, employee to do right. But he talks to the masters. Now, we, some people will say, well, why didn't he just tell them not to have slaves? Because the culture is to have slaves. He's not going to overturn the culture. But when the, in the culture he's in, he says that if you have these, these employees, these slaves, what does he tell them in chapter 4, verse 1? What does it say? It says, read it with me. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, 
because you know that you also have a master in heaven. He's talking to believers. If you're an employer and you're a believer, you should not be trying to get the most for the least out of your employees. You should treat them well because you're honoring God. You should pay them what you know you could pay them that's right and that's fair. We know you have to make a profit, but at the same time, you should be generous and you should be loving because guess what? If God didn't allow you to have that job you, or that business, you may not what? Have it. So it's up to us to do, if we are employers or we own businesses, to do what is what? Right and fair. That's important for us to know. Let's go on down a little bit into verse 2. I, I hope this study is helping you guys. It's, it's helping me. Verse 2 says what? Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Can somebody tell me what the word devote means? Hmm? Make time for? Dedicate. What's Make a what? Starts with a C. Make a commitment to have intentional prayer, to schedule time for prayer. Some of you probably uh, looked and you saw on Facebook, it's 4.44 a.m. and somebody's up praying for you. That's just a reminder to let you know sometimes while you sleep, people are on their knees on the side of the bed interceding for you. And it's important for you to set aside time. It doesn't have to be 444. You may not be a morning person. It may be evening time, but you shouldn't be finding time to pray. You should be making your schedule around what? Prayer. Prayer is essential to the, and the lifeblood to, to the believer. The old axiom is that prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door. You got to have the key. And prayer is the key. Prayer is like a pipeline. It's where we get communication from God and also where we receive communication from God. And he'll open up the bowels of his word for our understanding. So it's important for us to be able to devote ourselves to what? Prayer. Being watchful and thankful. How many times have we found ourselves complaining? I like the ERV. It says, never stop praying. Be ready for anything by praying and being thankful. So when you're praying, your prayer should be prayers of what? Thanksgiving. Lord, I thank, for, um, I thank you that you made it. Well, not, Lord, this is just not working out, and I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have this. Why don't you pray with expectation? Lord, I thank you that you're making a way out of no way. I thank you that your word says that you have the capability to make streams in the wasteland. I thank you, Lord, that you can make a way in the wilderness. I thank you, Lord, that you have the ability to do a new thing. I thank you that you are the God of miracles. Lord, I thank you that all out, though I don't see the job manifested, I thank you that you're going to have the provision. Lord, I thank you that although I don't see the things that I want to see right now in my life, I thank you that they're on the way. Lord, I'm, although I know you've changed me and I'm, I'm saved, but I don't see all the fruit yet in my life, I thank you that you're working on me. And as I commit to your word and the prayer and sanctification through the Holy Spirit, I thank you that my latter will be greater than my former and where I am not is not where I'll be in two to three years. You see the difference between that prayer and how we generally tend to pray? The Bible says oftentimes when you see miracles, Jesus does this. When he got ready to feed the 5,000, the Bible says that he blessed it and he broke it. What's the next thing he did? Gave thanks. The Bible says in every situation, be what? Thankful 
for it is the will of what? Christ Jesus concerning you. If you're going to excel in life, even motivational speakers are tar- starting to figure out biblical principles that successful people are grateful people, people who are generally grateful for life. You generally tend to succeed a little bit more when you have an attitude of gratitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude. How high you go depends on what your attitude is like. If you have stinking thinking and a nasty attitude, until that attitude changes, your position and station in life is not going to change because you're like a magnet. And whatever you get, you're going to mistreat. Don't start asking God for $100,000 a year when you complain and when you make 20. Didn't have a job. Now you got a job. And then you quit the job because you didn't have enough hours. But you didn't have any hours at all. But you're asking God to bless me with something and I'm not stewarding what you what? Gave me. I want God to give me more money. Are you faithful in your giving? If you're not, you're asking God for more money and you won't even have a charitable heart with what he's already given you. Wow. (laughs) Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think. Uh, We're going to keep going because I'm running out of time. This clock says I have only a few minutes and I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to submit. How about that? Also, pray for us. Pray that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. Now, I like this. Let's read that together. Uh, verse three, we'll read it as and, and what it is on the screen, which is the NIV. Let's read that together. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now, what did he say he's in? He's in prison telling people to be thankful. Why is he in prison? for telling people about Jesus. If you got a ticket for speeding, you generally don't want to speed anymore, but he's in prison for telling people about Jesus. And what is he asking them to pray for? More opportunities to tell people about Jesus. You see how important Christ is to him? It amazes me, and this is not a negative statement. It's not meant to be that way. But it amazes me how many people that say they love Jesus, but you have to beg them to come to church. That's why I always congratulate you guys for making an excuse to come. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm. That Paul is in prison with everything against him, but he's saying, pray for us that God will give us an opportunity to tell his message, that the message of the gospel is key. How passionate are you about sharing the gospel? That's what it's really all about. It's all about Christ. It's all pointing to Christ and his blood and sacrifice on the cross to bring and redeem men unto the Father. How are you working to share the gospel? Well, we just saw several ways. Because did you know this? That the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, that if a wife has an unbelieving husband, if she will submit and have a gentle and a humble spirit, that her husband might be drawn to Christ by her quiet and beautiful nature. That not only are you worshiping and giving honor to Christ, but you may take your husband that don't care anything about Jesus and say, maybe I want to know something about him. If you treat your children with love and kindness and compassion and not exasperate them, 
and show them what a Christian will be like when they get older. Maybe they want to won't want to run from the church, but they will want to run to the church because they'll say the same thing they professed outside. They professed at home. They won't say that they were nice to the church people, but they were always nasty to me. They were nice to Lath. They were nice, nice to other people. They were nice to Chrissia, nice to some of the people back there, nice to Lamarca, nice to whoever. And they praised the Lord. But when they got home, this is my last time telling you before I knock you out. And they say, maybe I should go live at the church because you're nice there. I understand you're not you having differences. I understand that we need to do what we need to do. I'm not against discipline. Trust me, I have three kids. It's a necessity for your survival, not for theirs, for your survival. You must have discipline in the house. But there's a loving way to what? Do it. Wow. Let's keep going. I have 53 seconds. Let's re read the rest of this and we're going to close out. Verse 3, it says what? And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Verse four, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, he says, pray for me that I may be able to proclaim it as clearly as I should. In other words, give me the strength not to, not to mess it up or get in myself, that I may make sure that I don't mess up anything, that I allow the Holy Spirit to work through me. And, and I've got 19 seconds, so I'm going to try to squeeze that in. It says, be wise. Let's read verse 5. It says, what? Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let that start at the house, people. Don't be nicer to the people in the street than you are to the people in your own house. But let your see conversation be seasoned with salt. Is this helpful to anybody? If, if, if it's helping, I see a hand back there in the back. I know it's helpful to me. If it's helpful to you I, in Facebook, on YouTube, or wherever you are, or on, uh, on the website, just, just write out, it's helpful to me. Because this is what the word does. It encourages us yes. and lets us give, gives us a new perspective and shifts our mindset. So that we don't think with the ways of the world, but we allow Christ to renew our minds. And that's how we're transformed. I'm thanking you guys for taking the time to invest in your spiritual growth. For those of you who are watching us online, thank you for taking the time to watch us online. I hope this study has been a blessing to you and you can take it and watch it again and to begin to study with us and go on journeys with us as we do on Wednesday nights, as we take the time to go through the word of God, to study it, because we're all committed to growth here at Encounter Church where we what? Reach the lost, teach the found, and change the world. If you don't know Christ and you're on that line, you're on the other side of that screen right now, I'd like to tell you that today is a fine time to know him. Uh, if you're waiting to become perfect and get yourself together, uh, you'll be waiting to the day you die. Today is the day. The Bible says, when you hear my voice, harden not your heart. God's not asking that you be perfect, but that you be committed and submitted to him and that you give him your life. If you would, I'd like you 
to pray that prayer uh, and not just pray a, a prayer with vain words, but in your heart say, Lord, I believe you and I'm ready to change. I believe that you gave your son as a sacrifice for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that I'm willing to, to give away my old way of life and to, to, to receive your precious gift of salvation. If you can do that and you'll do that right now, you are born into the family of God. And if you are, just give a give a hands up or say, I got saved today. That's encouraging to us to let us know um, that we're doing what God has called us to do with this ministry. And so we're going to pray and we're going to close out. Are there any questions? Any comments? If there be not, uh, if you have comments on the chat, if this is blessed, you send us an instant message, whatever you want to do to let us know that this is helping you. It's encouraging to us and we want to be a blessing to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the time that you've given us to study your word. Lord, I pray that this is just a seed that will be sown. Lord God, we may never know the people that it touches and the lives that it touches. But God, uh, wherever you sent it, you said that your word as the dew comes down from from heaven and, and, and flowers on the grass, Lord, so shall your word be that it shall not go out and come back void, but it will accomplish all that you have sent it to do. Lord, I pray that the seed uh, will germinate in the hearts of every person who hears this message, God, and that it may bring them into a budding new life in you. We thank you for that. And we give you praise in the mighty and the master's name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise tonight. <laughs>